This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. The following episode of TOFOP is rated MA for mature audiences. It may contain sexual references, time travel references, allegations of bin misconduct, and mild coarse language. TOFOP advises that this episode is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who thinks a comedy conversation between two old mates sounds like a terrible idea for a show. Minors must be accompanied by a parent or guardian. This is John Deke speaking. This is Topop. I'm Charlie Clawson. I am William James Anderson. How are you, Charles? Uh, I'm good. Uh, do you notice the hat that I'm wearing? You're wearing a hat that has a uh, bull on it. Um, I would say it's the Chicago Bulls, the basketball team. No, no. It's more of a, a Brahma bull. Oh, is it the Rock? It's the Rock signature hat. I got sucked in again. <laughs> is that is that really what that is? Yeah, it's the Rock's hat. The Rock has a hat, which is remarkably like the Chicago Bulls. <laughs> but anyway, let's... who's going to fucking tell him? <laughs> like, which lawyer goes into the Rock's gym, into the Iron Paradise, and taps that enormous man on the shoulder to say there's been a copyright infringement? I mean, this is the greatest Aaron Sorkin uh, courtroom drama of all time when. Michael Jordan versus The Rock over oh, the yes. rights to the bull. That would be great. Well, Michael Jordan doesn't have the, the po- to the, the two The two biggest names. The, the two biggest <laughs> names in sports and entertainment. Michael Jordan and The Rock in a court case together and Aaron Sorkin writing the movie. That would be awesome because they are, in the same way that The Rock revolutionized the way people think about professional wrestling and what mm. you can do it for. Michael Jordan did it with basketball. Right. They are. He's the Michael Jordan of wrestling, right? Absolutely, is or the is Michael Hulk Jordan. Hogan the, no, Hulk Hogan's like the Magic Johnson of wrestling, and the Rock's like the because he because the Rock supercharged it, right? Yeah, but I, I wonder if Hulk Hogan. I know Hulk Hogan. I guess was yes, an absolute champion. Or I'm the just, Wilt Chamberlain, like an old school. Like, but I was could thinking only about do layups sort of movie. <laughs> yes. you know. Wilt Chamberlain, who could only do layups, <laughs> as far as That's we weird. know. <laughs> But he was real rad at layoffs. <laughs> it's like you watch basketball in the 70s and it's so boring. It's just a bunch of really tall, dorky dudes running around doing layoffs. Yeah, well, it's back in the days of basketball. This is Justin Hamilton and I, one of our favorite topics because basketball, more than any other sport, just went. Gee, the game's a bit boring <laughs> if you play it how it's meant to be played. What if we just ignore most of the rules and bring in things that are purely just made to... Because this is one of the things that I do love about basketball mm. is that so much of what we love about basketball is icing on the cake that is the game. Yeah, Like, you don't need to dunk it. Like, a layup is probably a safer way to get the ball in the basket, right? Yeah. And you certainly don't need to do spectacular, <laughs> like, you know, under the basket, reverse dunks and, like, from the free throw line or any of that. But it is encouraged. It is part of the spirit of basketball that you do those things. And I think that does have a bit of a wrestling vibe to it, 100%. right? 100%. And also, but it's also the way you, like, basketball, when it got supercharged, entered different areas of pop culture, mm. like sort of influenced by hip hop and they started getting to movies and like sport brand endorsements, music videos. I get the feeling like wasn't Michael Jordan in like a couple of, he yeah. was in like Michael Jackson music video and Absolutely. stuff. I mean, they'd made a, a, they wrote a movie for him, Space Jam, which is one of those movies that 
I'm baffled that people seem to look back at Space Jam with a bunch, like a lot of affection, the way, you know, our generation looks at like Willy Wonka. But it's terrible. It is such a bad fucking movie. It's so cheesy and it's so bad and it, it ruins both uh, 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 like key elements. It makes Warner Brothers cartoons suck and it makes Michael Jordan suck. Here's what I'm going to tell you. What? You love Space Jam. I have never seen the movie okay, Space good. Jam. Never seen it. Is there... No. <laughs> <laughs> nah. Because I agree with you. I have seen how much affection people of a certain age have for the, for the movie Space Jam. I took Michael Chamberlain to see it. We were just out of high school and I was like, oh, you know what? Bill Murray's in it. Could be fun. And I remember uh, when the credits rolled, he turned to me and he was like, fuck you for taking me to see this film. See, I didn't even know Bill Murray was in it. Yeah. This is how out of the Space Jam universe I am. But... Young people, you can actually kind of identify people of a certain age. If I was an undercover cop yeah. trying to infiltrate, you know, that age group, the thing you that got, would get me was everyone would be like, what's your favorite bit of Space Jam? And I'd be like, when they make jam <laughs> in space. So what do you think the plot is? Or have you absorbed oh, that? No, no idea. Okay. Michael Jordan's in it and a range of cartoon characters. Warner, Warner, Brothers, Warner Brothers cartoon, cartoon characters. characters. Yeah. And I assume there's some sort of basketball match that they all have to play in for some sort of stakes. Yeah. I, I assume they're on the same team and they're playing against some opposition. They have to like team up, the Warner Brothers cartoons people. And, Mighty Duck style. Yeah, and they have to team up with Michael Jordan in order to play a game of basketball against, I imagine, oh, um, aliens? Monsters? Monsters or aliens or... Okay, look, I've got to be honest. I'll tell you what I think the plot is, but I can't hundred. Now that you're grilling me, I'm starting to sweat. <laughs> I'm not Sorry. grilling you. I'm speculating <laughs> on what I think the plot is. I know, but I'm, I'm just feeling the pressure. So I, uh, I'm going to... I've brought up the plot, but let me okay. try and guess what it is beforehand. So my memory of it is Michael Jordan, basketballer, is contacted... Marvin the Martian wants to take over oh, Looney Tuneville or something. So arrives with his posse of like badass. I think they call themselves. There's a line. You've heard of the dream team, but we're the mean team. So they're like the scary looking cartoon They've characters. really missed the opportunity to go with we're the green team. Because they're aliens. Yeah. They're, they're not all green though. Some are pink and stuff, man. Okay. Many colors are beautiful. Then we got one guy up the back just going, I'm pink, mate. <laughs> so <laughs> just because you're saying it, we agreed that we would come up with a more generic... We're the mean team, not the green team. You, you would say that, Greeny. So I believe the the Looney Tunes see a Michael Jordan game or an ad mm -hmm. or something. So a Three Amigos style, like they go out, oh, we see on TV, we'll bring him in, he can protect the village. So mm -hmm. they go to Michael Jordan in the real world and say, hey, come play basketball. And Michael Jordan doesn't want to or... Hang on, where do um, the cartoons live? Like an alternate dimension. I okay. Know. I think there's, there's a rabbit hole or there's some kind of magical... A Bugs portal. Bunny rabbit hole? Probably. I don't know, man. Like, no, let me just <laughs> okay. get through this. It's painful. And then we're going to have to go through the plot again. So I apologize to everyone listening. So Michael Jordan gets sucked into Toonville. He's got to take this ragtag bunch of dumbass Warner Brothers characters like Daffy Duck and Porky Pig and you know they're all ragtag bunch of misfits and get them ready for the game against the best of three or the best of five series against the mean team so then it follows your typical Mighty Ducks where I think they lose a game then they come back and then Michael Jordan has to believe in himself or something so hang on what's the stakes of the game 
the the main team are going to take over Looney Tune World and then maybe Earth but through basketball, through a five series basketball. All right, let's just get to the plot because I can't remember anything. Okay. In 1973, young Michael Jordan tells his father he wants to go to the University of North Carolina to play in a championship team then go to the NBA. Spoilers, oh. Michael Jordan. <laughs> Fucking hell. You know, yeah, that on his vision board, quite specific. Uh, then a compilation of highlights from Jordan's basketball career, which includes highlights from his college, blah, 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 Chicago Bulls, <laughs> is followed by his 93 press conference. Guys, we've got a pretty easy way to fill the first three or four <laughs> yeah. minutes. And we're you know just going to play. Who's going to complain? No I one. would fucking buy a movie ticket to watch like 10 minutes yeah. of Jordan highlights. In fact, to be honest, too short. Yeah. If you played 90 minutes of Michael Jordan highlights and then Bugs Bunny came in the end and did a dunk, hey. why would they have it? <laughs> Bugs Bunny just comes in and goes, yeah, Space Jam. And then that's it. Just so they can sell a stuffed toy. One line. Okay, so we catch up with Michael Jordan at his retirement press conference um, uh, as he pursues a career in baseball, yep. which is popular but less skilled. Meanwhile, in outer space, the amusement park Moron Mountain faces its decline. Its owner, Mr. Swackhammer, <laughs> sends his diminutive minions, the Nerdlucks, to Earth to abduct the Looney Tunes as a new attraction. Okay. Upon the Nerdlucks' arrival, Bugs Bunny and the other Looney Tunes take advantage of the Nerdlucks' small stature and challenge them to a game of basketball. Through a documentary of uh, basketball, the Nerdlucks learn that the sport's best players are employed by the NBA and accept their proposal and steal the talents of NBA players Charles Barkley, Sean Bradley, Patrick Ewing, Larry Johnson, and Muggsy Bogues. Oh. The Nerdlucks transform themselves. So there, there's other real basketballers in yeah, this. they needed a payday. I think Sandler-style, Jordan's like, hey, guys. Yeah, but also they're the Cobra Kai. They're the bad guys. Like, so not No, only... but the, ga- oh. the bad guys are stealing their DNA or their essence. Oh, okay. They're not turning them into bad guys. Okay, I understand. They, they steal their talent and transform themselves into large, muscular, and talented, what do you think they call... Then it's not the the main team. They're um, like the all stars. What would you call yourself? You're bad guys. If you want to let people know you're bad. Uh, the bad stars. <laughs> the monsters. Oh, the monsters, of course. And they easily intimidate the tunes, prompting bugs to seek pro- professional aid while golfing with Bill Murray. <laughs> Hang on, Bugs Bunny's golfing with Bill Murray. Larry Bird. And his personal assistant, Stan Podolak, another person needs a payday, I think. There's going to be quite a few of these in this film. <laughs> Jordan is suddenly lassoed down a hole into the Looney Tunes world. Bugs okay. explains the situation to Jordan, whom Hope is placed on as one of the best basketball players in the world. Although reluctant, he agrees to play after a confrontation with the Monstars, insults his pride, and he organises the Tunes into a team. The Toon Squad. I mean... Already shit. Like the Monstars have got you all over there for brand Well, I guess it's like Goon Squad is like a term over there. So maybe it's like a play on that. All right. A female rabbit named Lola Bunny, who Bugs falls in love with, is added to the team thanks to her talents. Jordan, (laughs) fucking bloody get woke, go broke, Space Jam. Yeah. (laughs) Although I think this film did quite well. Jordan sends Bugs and Daffy Duck back to his house to obtain his basketball gear. When they arrive, Bugs and Daffy meet Jordan's dog and kids and are later seen by Stan, who follows them back to the cartoon world. Who's Stan? I don't know. Meanwhile, the sudden incapacity... From the Eminem song? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dear Bugs, I wrote you, but you still ain't calling. It turns out Stan's got a lot of people he's fans of, and he's been writing them all the individual letters. The players try and restore their skills through practice, hospitalization, and therapy. So this is like the Charles mm. Barkley's of the world. Um, and prayer, but to no avail. Oh. 
which proves that there is no God. Yep. Space Jam is making a statement. That's why kids love prayer. this film. <laughs> Turned a bunch of kids into atheists. Um, okay. Uh, 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 Stan overhears about the Monstars obtained their talent and informs Jordan, Bugs and, the, uh, Bugs and Jordan rally the Tune Squad, Tune Squad, and they dominate the third quarter using old school gags and Acme weaponry. So it gets okay. into a bit there when you get into They your, cheat. Your WWE. What I'm hearing is they cheat. <laughs> By cheating. Um, okay, so during timeout, Jordan raises the stakes with Swackhammer. A win by the Toon Squad would require the Monstars returning their stolen talents, while a win by the Monstars would allow Swackhammer to make Jordan a new attraction at Moron Mountain for the rest of his life. Okay. Okay, so that's you ask what's at stake. Mm. That's at stake. So Marvin the Martian not involved at all. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. He must <laughs> All right. With 10 seconds left in the game, the Toon Squad are down by one point, and one player, due to to most of them being injured from the Monstars' rough playing, leaves only Jordan, Bugs, Lola, and Daffy left. Bill Murray unexpectedly arrives to pick up his paycheck. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Bill Murray unexpectedly arrives and is recruited to fill the spot. In the final seconds, Jordan gains the ball with Murray's help, but is pulled back by the Monstars. Remembering advice from Bugs, he uses cartoon physics to extend his arms and dunk the ball, winning the match with a buzzer beater. And then afterwards, he's like, yo, Bugs, can I extend everything <laughs> with that cartoon power? And what I mean is my line of credit at the casino. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, the Monstars encase Swackhammer in a missile and send him back to his amusement park, giving up their stolen talent. The Nerdlucks are recruited for Looney Tunes Ensemble and drop off Jordan at his next basketball game. Later, Jordan visits the inca incapacitated basketball players and returns their talents, to which the players provoke a reluctant Jordan to pit into participating in a three-on-three -three match. Two years later, in 1995, Jordan returns to the Chicago Bulls to resume his basketball career. That's cute. So what they're saying is all that happened in the time he was away right. from basketball. It's Yeah, okay. It's a little weird fan fiction. It's so bad, dude. Do not watch it. Like, there's no need for you to watch it. And you don't need to watch it, Will. Do you know why? Because you just read me the description <laughs> of it. And I can that. imagine it. <laughs> yeah. There's that, but we've And also, I've never watched it up until this point <laughs> yeah. in my life, so... I was trying to give a bit of sizzle to Macho Fop. We are in the final round of Macho Fop. Um, thank you to everyone who's entered. This is a And thank you to everybody who, uh, like, I got so many messages about last week's episode. Yeah, it was a good episode. People loved it on whole on various different levels. It went to all a bunch of different places, but thank you for the feedback. So we just need to recap. So we basically, we have six uh, finalists. We're going to accept another three, and then you and I are going to be added to the... Because it's our game and we want to be considered macho. Yeah. <laughs> the least macho. There are no rules to this competition, but no. they are the rules. No. Um, so just to recap. So there's Cat, who is basically Indiana Jones. Yeah. There is... Indiana Cat. There's Ash, firefighter. Yeah. There is uh, Terry, who is a, a former athlete turned addict turned youth worker. Oh, yeah. Yep. There is uh, Sonia. Uh, uh, who has done everything that everyone else does, but also suffers from endometriosis. Uh, and then, of course, there's Ian, who uh, will never turn down a fight. Never. And, of course, Elias, who was kicked by the biggest horse. In all of Norway. In all of Norway. Uh, what I will say is on uh, Friday night, I crossed the border for the very first time. I went about five kilometers over the border. Could have swum back over the border from where I was, but I went over the border into Queensland uh, for a good friend's 40th birthday party. 
And late in the night, got in a conversation with one of his friends who uh, listens to the show. All right. And we had a very long chat about this dude who, um, uh, you know, could never refuse a fight, Ian. (laughs) And you know that moment, and this is the experience you always have with this podcast, where he listens to the show and obviously I'm on the show. So we're having like just a really fun, fun, funny conversation, sort of riffing around that story, talking about it, just talking about the show. And then another one of his mates comes over and says, what are you guys talking about? And we make the mistake of trying to explain explain to this dude who could not have, he instituted his own social distancing distance from our conversation. Like he was just like, what the Mark, have you, you learned nothing from us leaving a recording and Gemma and Amy are in the room and they say, what do you guys talk about? And we start down that path and then always just with like a blank stare. Man, back. I got lulled into a false sense of security. <laughs> you having fun? Well, let's start with a bit of a follow-up letter. This is from Kat, um, uh, Indiana Jones, uh, because you remember she got left in the bush for three days and you asked, how can that happen? Yeah. So Kat says, as requested a follow-up of being left in the bush and surviving for three days. I was volunteering for a summer camp program in Africa for expat kids. There was a challenge for the oldest of the teenagers that included an overnight fire-making survival challenge. So we drove an hour away from the campsite into the bush for this particular challenge, so it would really feel like a survival challenge. There were two separate vans that you could go back in. I was going around to check on the remaining kids and their fires when I got turned around in the bush. When each van took people back to the campsite, they thought the other one had gone back with me. So that makes sense. Makes sense. With that miscommunication... And firstly, that she was one of the teachers, leaders. So you'd assume... Because with the kids, you're still going to do a double check on accounting for the kids. But if it's one of the leaders, you assume that, oh, they've just jumped on the other transport or whatever. With the miscommunication, the people said they assumed I'd gone for a nap in the morning. (laughs) <laughs> that's, that sounds suspicious that, sounds, that really sounds <laughs> what a nap in the morning With that communication the people said they assumed they'd gone for a nap in the morning yeah what does that mean i mean is that, that like what were they leaving late at night or i don't know anyway it wasn't until lunchtime that people wondered where I was. And- oh, by the way, I also have narcolepsy. <laughs> I fall asleep every 15 minutes. She wandered into the bush and she got lost. Yes. And they left her. And they were like, oh, well, she's, she's probably just having a, a morning nap. Tree. <laughs> what? Aren't you all survivalists? Isn't there some kind of like code of conduct? Where you know like- what it's like before a big day in the bush. You've got to have your morning <laughs> nap. <laughs> Meanwhile, the sun had risen and I realized that I was lost in the African bush. Mm. Luckily, I had plenty of water, a medical kit, and some protein bars. I'm just a cat. You're so impressive. I love it. (laughs) I knew that I was roughly east of the campsite. I mean, I wouldn't even know where I was. I'd start digging into the ground, trying to get back home. I I wouldn't know where roughly east of here is. (laughs) And and I live by the the ocean. (laughs) I knew that I was roughly east of the campsite. And so I used the sun to start hiking in the direction of the camp. Yeah, cat. I didn't realize that I was too far north and would walk right past the campsite. 
Eventually, oh. oh, so that's why it was been three days. Yeah. So okay. they realized at lunchtime, but she'd moved. Yeah, she's overshot. She's she's gone. I can make it home myself, but then she's overshot the camp. Isn't that the first rule of getting lost? Is don't walk around. Is have a crack. <laughs> See if you can make it back yourself. <laughs> Just that. Take a guess. What could go wrong? I'm very well rested from my yeah. morning nap. Make sure you drink all your water. Yeah. Just to sort of not <laughs> carrying a heavy load. And uh, you're going to get hot, so just expose all that skin to the sun. <laughs> it's my survival school. <laughs> Eventually, they did find me on the third day as I ran into a major road <laughs> and was able to use it to walk in the right direction. Oh, so they didn't get to, no one picked you up. And besides the mosquito bites, I was pretty much intact. If I never see another protein bar, that's okay by me. As to the question of guns and robbery, they're separate incidents. I was shot at when I was a young kid in America and robbed at knife point separately when I was in Alice Springs just a few years ago. Both of those stories Aussie, Aussie, check Aussie. out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so glad you could get attacked in Australia. I would hate it if the Americans had all of it. Okay. Uh, this... With a knife too. Very yeah. on brand for our podcast. <laughs> Kat said that's not a knife. Speaking of um, being shot at in America, this is a, another sort of follow-up. This is from Richard. He's like, uh, hey guys. So as an American, I'd like to warn you against including being shot at yeah. as a measure of macho-ness. It's a good point. We're judging that through Australian eyes. It's more about being in a situation where there's likely to be gunfire. I mean, you could be a journalist, you know, who gets shot at. And I'm like, well, that's pretty macho, like running into a war zone or something. I, I just think in general, being shot at is pretty macho. We just don't have a lot of it in our country. Yeah. I feel like what Richard's saying is, I'm American, mate. Who hasn't been shot at? <laughs> Well, he says, if you ask me, which you have not, this week's correspondent, Kat, is definitely the most macho. But she, but she included a I got shot at story as evidence. You must not take this into consideration. I mean, I send in my story and I never mention shootings and I live in Albuquerque. This is where Bugs Bunny should have turned left, right? Right. I've been shot at while going to work at my school and the teacher. Mm -hmm. uh, I've been shot at while leaving work. I've been shot at while rock climbing. And I've been shot at at a trailhead. <laughs> what the fuck is going on? What I'm saying, Richard, is we should include those things. <laughs> and suddenly you're a real chance. I mean, that's unusual, right? To be shot at four times in your life at four different locations. What well, turns out in Albuquerque, no. No, it's not. Because Richard doesn't even think Who's it's shooting worth... At a... Richard doesn't even think it's worth mentioning. <laughs> shooting at a rock climber. I mean, how does, how does that conflict initiate? <laughs> hey, are you up there? Are you looking at me? <laughs> no, mate, I'm just climbing this rock. Looks like you're eyeballing me, you son of a bitch. I'm not, I'm just climbing. You, you ain't right there. I'm going to go get my gun. <laughs> like, literally, you're absolutely 100% right. Like, imagine that movie Free Solo, but there's just another guy with a gun. Oh, stop climbing that rock. Really pisses me off. <laughs> like, well, I need more information. Again, Richard, I need more information of how on a rock climb you've been shot at. Um, I was punched in the face multiple times, breaking up a fight by a man that later uh, tortured two other high school students by shooting them in the legs and beating them to death oh with God. the butt of the gun. So seriously, do not make guns a category because in the US, uh, we'll just swamp the rest of the planet. But on a positive note, by far the most macho person I've ever met was a homeless student that slept in the park next to my school for a significant percentage of his senior year because he needed that diploma to get a job and therefore a future on the Navajo reservation. 
He was one tough, macho motherfucker. Once again, not necessarily in any decent country, but as a naive person in America, everything is stacked against you. So he's macho to several powers of 10. So this is really a depressing and not good content email, but I thought you should know Richard. P.S. I understand how people that live in the rest of the world see guns as macho, but until you live with a, in a gun country, you just don't know. So don't open that can of worms. It is not macho. P.P.S. As I live in the gun in a gun country, despite being in favour of gun control, I own multiple rifles and handguns because the civil war is coming and the fascists shouldn't be the only ones with guns. America. P.P.P.S. <laughs> Sorry for turning this into an episode of Dofop. It's yeah. just a reality. Yeah. Well, firstly, Richard, excellent manifesto. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I mean, I agree. It's absolutely, I can understand. Having him. a gun is not much. Absolutely, it's not. And I think that's why we thought it is. Because for us, it's such a Hollywood movie experience. Yeah, I, one of the most things we're most I, proud of as a country is that when we had that massacre at Port Arthur, that even a conservative leader of Australia stood up and said, nah, this is bullshit. We've just got to get rid of the <laughs> That's guns. exactly what he said at Parliament. <laughs> nah, said, nah, nah. All right, yeah, nah, this nah, is bullshit. yeah, nah, yeah. <laughs> this is bullshit, mate. It's like the Simpsons. He was floating in a rubber tyre in the middle of a billabong <laughs> drinking a beer. <laughs> All right, enough of the gun bullshit. Mr. Prime Minister. <laughs> uh, I don't think we celebrated guns we celebrated people involving themselves in yeah. dangerous circumstances well i will say two things because i don't think we had anyone Firstly, writing to say i carry a gun and but people said they no. hunt and stuff carrying a gun don't find that macho at all like you know the idea that you being armed but the idea that you could be shot at i believe there is still some element of macho to that right like yeah. if you're just rock climbing <laughs> <laughs> and you don't have like an M16 or whatever, that AK-47. I don't really know the names of guns, yeah, but like if someone's shooting at you, that feels like a double macho situation. Rock climbing is already macho to me. And then the idea that you've been shot at, like if someone's even doing target practice or if like yeah. whatever the scenario is, yeah. like I still think that's a macho situation. But yeah. I also agree that that fucking story you told about that kid sleeping in the park to get his like diploma is 100% more macho. Yeah. And it makes sense that in the richest country in the world, that is how a some student has to get his diploma. Isn't it? What a wonderful world. I mean, it's bizarre, right? Like this is the thing that blows your mind is there's so much money in that country. And a student has to sleep in a park to get his diploma. A student has to sleep in a park to get his diploma. And... A teacher's been shot at what, five Rockland? times, like going to school, going from school. And this teacher who is for gun control has a bunch of guns himself because he's worried there's going to be a civil war. I mean, I think that's pretty much it. <laughs> <laughs> this is from Tim. Hey, Will and Charlie. I'd like to nominate my 15-year-old self into the 11. Okay. Is that allowed? Like if you did something macho when you were 15, what's the, what's like the kind of cut Statute of limitations. Yeah. Well, I think in our sort depends of... Depends how macho it is. Like if you, if you're like a, you know, you're a kid who like, you know, rescued another kid from a well or something like that. Well, here's what I would 20 say. Years I want to hear the story, but maybe if we're looking at it like an Ocean's Eleven style posse, mm. like our, you know, Avengers for our macho fop, you know, listeners, maybe you need someone who can like appear to be a 15 year old boy. Right. So maybe we're talking about the idea that he can, you know, immediately 
I'm just a little boy. <laughs> when he comes into the meeting, he's got like a hat with a propeller and a big lollipop. I'm just a little boy. I like trucks. <laughs> That's, he's like 45 years exactly old. Exactly what I was imagining. <laughs> I just did poopers. <laughs> he's 15. <laughs> 15. Oh, 15, right. Sorry. <laughs> uh, okay, back when I was a fifteen-year-old, yes, and I was a real and I was real skinny and wasn't a huge hit with the ladies, but my luck had changed. Okay, oh, shit, sorry, it's gonna close it. But my luck had changed when the most popular girl in school wanted to go on a date with me to the Crown Casino. Wow, so that's like a real like Hughes John Hughes movie. A skinny little nerdy kid gets a date with the most popular girl with Molly Ringwald. To the most glamorous place on earth, the Crown Casino. We did what every 15-year-old did at the casino in the early 2000s, basically walk around and watch the Fire Tower show every hour. So outside, if you don't know, never been Grand Casino, they, they let off these gas jets, which consistently fry pigeons and other <laughs> bird life around the casino. Um, we were sitting outside, right where the water would shoot up from the ground, and we noticed a blind man walking nearby, and he was getting dangerously close to the edge of the walk path. The man had walked right off the edge and fell into the Yarra River. I ran over to look for him with a number of adult men. He was in the water panicking, waving his arms about and trying to stay above water. I looked at the adults who weren't doing a thing, so I stepped into action. Again, I'm probably about 55 kilograms soaking wet, and the man who fell in would have been about double my size. I jumped in, and in trying to help the man, he accidentally whacked me in the nose which then began to bleed. But I pushed on. I grabbed him and yelled to one of the men watching to grab his hands and pull him up. As one man had his hands, I was trying to push him up, but also going under myself. Uh, as I was pushing him up, he was kicking his legs, and then bang, he backheeled me in the mouth, which also bled. We got him out safe and all was fine. The reason this was so macho was because this was in the middle of winter. Have you ever been in Melbourne in the middle of winter? That is a fucking freezing cold, but also jumping into the air. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you, you're probably hoping for an STD by the end of the night on this date, but uh, you would have got a few more. I mean, here's what I will say is, and also the biggest blind man of all of Australia who kicked him in the head, I'm sure. So, um, I what an impressive thing to do on your date, though. Yeah. Oh, it's going to definitely get him some action, ain't you reckon? Well, let's see what well. in the email. <laughs> Once the adrenaline had wore off and I was freezing my ass off, but I used my monk skills to lower my body temperature and not die of he wrote phenomena. <laughs> I don't think he meant pneumonia. <laughs> well, I mean, you could die of phenomena, but that's uh, a uh, John Travolta movie, right? Where he's, he plays a guy with psychic abilities. Phenomenon. Oh, phenomenon. Something like a phenomenon? Something like a phenomenon. <laughs> Hey, Will, let's talk about our sponsor for this week. Okay, let's talk about our sponsor for this week. Does it have a Christmas theme? Should I get into Santa mode? Ho, ho, ho. It does have a Christmas theme. Our sponsor this week, as they have been all year, is ExpressVPN. That has been their Christmas present to us. Has been backing us when no one else would this year. Well, that's how Santa gets to every country in the world in one night. He uses an ExpressVPN and he can just go, I'm in China now. <laughs> So why do we bring up ExpressVPN? Well, they're a sponsor, but it's also that time of the year where we can start watching Christmas movies. But what if you go to Netflix, Will, and you discover your favorite Christmas movie, which is... Uh, don't say Die Hard. That's, I'm so over that. I, I wouldn't say... I would say Lethal Weapon. <laughs> <laughs> you got a zig when everyone thinks you're going to zag. 
Well, what do you do? With also, we- a Christmas movie, by the way. In case people think that I'm making that up, it is, it is set it's, at it Christmas starts with a Christmas song and a Christmas tree. Exactly, and yeah. there is a whole bunch of Christmas cards and little Christmas things in it. So, yeah, it's under. Everyone always talks about, oh yeah, Die Hard's a Christmas movie, but no yeah. one ever talks about Lethal Weapon being a Christmas movie, and yeah. that might be because. Mel Gibson has yeah. some controversial opinions about Hanukkah <laughs> that people don't want to get into, but Lethal Weapon is my favourite Christmas movie. Well, what would you do, Will, if you went to Netflix, one of your favourite streaming services, to watch your, your yearly tradition of watching Lethal Weapon at Christmas and it wasn't available? Well, I would go on my ExpressVPN and I would set it to a country where Lethal Weapon was available as a Christmas movie and then I would watch Lethal Weapon. That's right, because with ExpressVPN, you can watch any film in the Netflix library around the world. And my favourite, well, one of my favourite films is uh, Elf. Uh, Will Ferrell, his star-making turn as Good the film. man-child. Was that his star-making turn, Elf? Do you think? Uh, that- I think it was his first. So he did Old School, which is kind of, oh, everyone took notice mm. of the Frank the Tank. And I think Elf is the one. You know how in every comedian's career, there's like an Ace Ventura, there's that low budget sleeper hit where they just get a good director and a, a talent who's on the rise and it just explodes at the right time. That's my take on Elf. 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 Yeah, okay. All right. <laughs> it's tough for Will Ferrell, though. I bet he reckons another bit of his career was the moment it took off. Well, this weekend, I used ExpressVPN to stream the Christmas classic Elf from Germany. It was simple. I just <laughs> opened the app. I hit one button. I changed my location to, <laughs> to Germany as a Klausen. They allowed me. They, no one uh, raised any red flags. You don't need to do that. Though. It no, doesn't matter what your name is <laughs> no. if you're on your ExpressVPN. Oh, no, no. <laughs> That's the twist. You've got to have uh, the heritage of the country that you are logging into. No, yeah. you don't. You just uh, open the app, hit the one button to change your location, refresh Netflix, and then bang, you're in. See, ExpressVPN lets you control where you want sites to think you're located. You can choose from almost 100 countries. So just imagine all the Netflix libraries you can explore. You know what I did the other night? This is not really Christmas related, okay. but I'm going to put it anyway, because this is a, when I use my ExpressVPN. So I wanted to watch uh, the US series of The Bachelorette. And we wanted to have one of those days of brain bleach, you know, TV. And there's nowhere in Australia that shows the US version of The Bachelorette. Like we have every streaming service there is possibly in Australia. I Googled it to make sure that I wasn't like missing something is not available in Australia. So the only thing you can do is get on your ExpressVPN, set it to America as I did, and then watch the best season of The Bachelorette there has ever been. And because, oh my God. And because your name is Anderson. And because it was fine. <laughs> and Pamela Anderson. Oh no, she's Canadian. Shit. <laughs> of course, it's not just Netflix. Express, <laughs> Express, if you're in New Zealand, Express VPN works with any streaming service Disney Plus, Hulu, BBC, iPlayer, you name it. There's hundreds of VPNs out there, but the reason that uh, old Will and Charlie use Express VPN to watch movies and TV shows is because it's ridiculously fast. There's never any buffering, and you can always stream in HD. Did you watch that? Is absolutely in uh, HD? Uh, maybe actually. Yeah. I don't know if they got to see that Botox in high definition. In fact, actually, what I would say is no. They <laughs> would definitely not want to see people in high definition in that show. A lot of it is about seeing them as fuzzy as possible. In fact, we suggest you watch it in LD. We have a low definition that really brings out the quality to the show. ExpressVPN works across all your devices, including phones, tablets, media consoles, and smart TVs. So you can use it to watch whatever you want or go on the big screen. So if you visit the special link right now, which is expressvpn.com slash TOEFOP, you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. So think about that. You'll get it for next Christmas and then into March the next year. Yeah, I did not do that when I joined ExpressVPN. 
You shouldn't need to, man. You're a VIP. We're in the we're in the Express VPN VIP. <laughs> you know what? I paid for mine. And I just paid for 12 months and I should have used the link for the three extra months. But I'm going to tell you when it comes up in 12 months, it's going to be the easiest dollars I spend. I've already got my money's worth out of my ExpressVPN. Well, next time you do it, we'll put in the code TOFOP because that way you support the show. You can watch what you want and get your holiday fix at expressvpn.com slash TOFOP. My two favorite Christmas movies, Lethal Weapon and the US Bachelorette. <laughs> Well, actually, no, I was just freezing for a bit before the Crown gave me a dressing gown. Well, good on you, Crown Casino. You gave a kid who saved someone's life a dressing gown. So if you alter, uh, so if you're after a kid's sidekick in the team, then my 15-year-old self is your guy. Also, my date told everyone at school on Monday, and I felt pretty macho after that. I mean, it's an amazing teenage story. Did you get any action? That's all we want to know. So we, I, I don't want somebody to be writing us correspondence about 15-year-old action. <laughs> he was 15 as well. Yeah, but doesn't mean we can read about it. It doesn't have to be like action action. Just like a little bit of, you know. I don't want, I, please do not write us letters about the action you got when you were underage. <laughs> that is definitely not macho. Uh, but that is a great story. Yeah, do we need a kid, so like a Robin? Do we need like a, a young ward? I don't mind the idea of it. We'll put it on the maybe part. Yeah. James writes in, to Colin Fop, hi, Will and Charlie. I just finished listening to episode 320, Truly the Biggest Horse in All of Norway, and I decided to throw my hat into the ring to join the Macho 11. Before this episode, I would never have dreamed of entering such a team until you asked for listeners to help you out to round out the team's complement of skills. So you've got your heroes, Ash and Sonia, you got your drug addict turned youth worker in Terry. You got Indiana Jones, Cat, the Brawler, Ian. <laughs> the Brawler. I'd be, be wrapped with that title. I mean, are you a brawler? <laughs> you get the shit kicked out of you? I mean, I you should have so. seen brawl. the look on this guy's face at this party, Charlie. As <laughs> I'm like, and so the two guys were best friends and they beat the shit out of. Okay. <laughs> um, and the comic relief, Elias. This is an excellent team. I agree. But there is a risk that their combined muchiness could threaten the stability of the space-time continuum yep. if it's not tempered. I believe what this team needs is someone who can bring balance to the force. Someone who is so not macho that everyone else wonders why he's there. Okay. Someone who can sneak in undetected to accomplish the mission while everyone else takes the heat. I put it to you that what this team needs is me, the anti-macho. I like it. So this is kind of almost like What's that? Um, who's that actor who plays Tim in the UK office? You know, um, what's that Martin, Martin Freeman. Freeman. It's like Martin Freeman in Black Panther. He's the guy who's got the least amount of skills and ability. And you just politely, it just helps out. Just like you can do the kind of the, the light duties. We yeah, need I, you. Yeah, we need you. You're important to this organization. But you're not. You could work your way up to being a Colson, yeah. but you're not a Colson at the moment. Yeah. All of my jobs have been, uh, sorry, he's giving his credentials here. All of my jobs have been office based, and I'm so nerdy. I'm just about to start my fourth tertiary degree. Hmm. I am a doctor. I mean, dude, you should have fucking opened with that. Wow. Dr. fucking nerd. <laughs> Dr. Doctor not macho. But not of the medical kind. Oh. Wait a minute. Uh, Take those claps uh, back. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, Podhouse, Mike, can you play those claps in reverse? <laughs> Thank you. Taking can, them back. can you play those claps in reverse <laughs> as if somehow claps will sound different played in reverse as forward would they not they're still like yeah but wouldn't it sound like it'd sound like <laughs> wouldn't it <laughs> would it <laughs> I, don't I don't know, know. we'll find so. out when the episode comes out <laughs>
<clears throat> okay, but I'm a doctor, but not of the medical kind. I'm almost useless when it comes to carpentry, and I'm even worse with any other trade. I've never been in a fight, and the only time I came close, I was so shocked that anyone would to fight me that I walked away without throwing a punch. I've only ever broken one bone, and that was a hairline fracture in my little finger <laughs> after I got it lightly bumping my hand against a wall. I've only ever tried two drugs, and one of those is alcohol. I'm aware that Struggle Street exists, but I've never had to walk on it, let alone live in it. I've never caused a ruckus on a plane, or been arrested, or yelled at local teens for touching my bins. That sounds oddly specific. I was going to say, got a little personal at the end. <laughs> and no horse of any size has ever kicked me. As you can see, I'd be a contender for Topop's least macho listener, someone who's considered so little a threat that they forget he's there. I think... That if you give this a very a very little thought, you'll agree you need me on the team, James. It's an interesting proposition because <clears throat> at least in fiction, all super teams do have the non-powered element. Like Xander in Bucky's Gang, there's a whole episode where yeah. he was like, not not the Ringo, what was he? Wait, he couldn't work out what his role was in the team, right? Because you know, and as it turns out, he was the key to keeping them all together. Because I don't know why he was the glue. Why though? There was a reason because he's mortal or something. He yeah, I don't has know. feelings or something. There was reasons. So, James, open to it. I uh, yeah, maybe not in the eleven though. <clears throat> that character strikes me as being somebody who, like you said, Martin Freeman style, I, is in the the like the broader squad. Yeah, but isn't necessarily like one of your main players. I think, but I don't mind it. I think the issue I like the is because we just got that email from Tim. And Tim's not really super powered. He's 55 kg soaking wet. But he had the courage of a skinny Captain America. Yeah, exactly. So do we want another one? Like, this other guy is just as physically useless as yeah. you, but he's got the guts not to even, save someone. Not even a real doctor. I think you and I can... I mean, we're, we're, we're that. We're that. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, this is a quick one from Brad. I'm macho, and I miss the way Dixie used to say sexual references in the intro. Okay. Well, that's one definition of macho, I suppose. Don't know if it's related. I mean, I think it's barely tangential. But we're not the sort of people who should be judging people for being tangential. That's a good point. This is from Steve. He doesn't want me to read his last name. He literally put where it says his last name, don't read this out. Okay. But you did. You just read it out. I didn't read his last name. His last name. His first name is fine. Yeah, but did it not just say, Steve, don't read this out? No, or... no, it says, first name, Steve, last name, don't read it out. Oh, okay. All right. Um, okay. Uh, he's dubbed his, his subject lined it, too dumb to visit a doctor. Like hey, it. fellas. First time, long time. Since when does a dumb visit, too dumb to visit a doctor equal macho? I don't mean to throw too much shade at some of the other valuable to fop respondents, but surely an electrician who gets electrocuted in a bunch, uh, a bunch and takes off his own nut with an hockey strap is a shitty electrician. Look, I'm glad he's in the US and not burning down houses here. I'm a 36-year-old tradie that works out, watches UFC, and listens to Rogan. Okay. When I'm not renovating my house, I coach kids' sports teams. I love camping and four-wheel driving and cooking over an open fire. I don't really see myself as macho. I'm 6'3", I'm over 90 kgs, and I couldn't grow a beard if I was fucked by a werewolf after a full moon. <laughs> That's <laughs> pretty that macho. That is a pretty macho way to express that, though. If the goal was to see if you reach a broad audience, then I think you've proved it, which was the goal. We're not all medical practitioners and chiropractors 
Now get back to some deep dive into a problematic song lyric or some crappy movie. You're going to love this episode. It's okay, mate. It's fine. We can do both. (laughs) Or not. It's a free podcast. Thanks for keeping the bored tradies laughing. So we give you somewhere to keep living. Okay, that's good. I like it. Steve. But he's, it feels similar to a lot of the other entrants we've had, where it's like on the surface, macho. Good backup, though, Steve. Steve, Steve, oh, if, I, if we're I'd an be happy to have team, Steve. we have too many of the same kind of players. Too many running defenders. Yeah, but what I would say is your Steves aren't going to be able to play every week. Yeah. But it's good to have some depth backup. in your squad. And that's what I think. Well, you know what is. I think? All the, all the people, all the guys and girls have written in who say, hey, look, I fix cars and I ride bikes and I camp and stuff. Maybe. Like we have a developmental league as well. Yeah. And we can push them out because our, our A team is going to be needed to be yep. macho. We need people to push out to do clinics, bit of press. Also, and they look, they're the ones you know who what? look the most macho. But also, you guys definitely are a shot at making it to the big league. Yeah, of course. It's you not know? just ceremony. We've just got to see how you handle being shot at while rock climbing. <laughs> <laughs> just a little test. Just a little test. I mean, I think. I think that makes sense, right? Like, because Lady Gaga didn't come out and just be meat dressing and crazy Lady Gaga. Like, she reinterpreted what it meant to be a pop star, but her very first music videos were very kind of straight down the line. So I think we need to ease people into this macho thing. So we'll give them what they're expecting mm-hmm. with the, you know, the more kind of traditional, and then they'll explore our A-team and go, oh, macho has lots of different meanings. Yeah, i got to be honest with you also. I'm not sure if we're talking about like, you know, appearances and stuff, if you're going to send people out to do, you know, to meet kids, to run clinics, to, I don't know whatever this business model is that we've entered into. But you can't just introduce them to Ian straight away. Because what if like a kid says to Ian, let's have a fight? Ian won't be able to turn down that opportunity oh, yeah. to be like to have a fight with a kid. Yeah. And I believe that Ian will be beaten by that kid and his three <laughs> best friends. <laughs> Made to lick dog shit. <laughs> okay, this is from Emma, machoist listener. To Colin Fop, I originally posted this to Patreon, <laughs> but I thought I'd email it too. Good, because okay, we're about six months behind in our Patreon yeah. mail. I would like to submit myself for Topop's machoist listener. I posted on my, I posted my Spotify 2020 wrap up on the tea room on Facebook. And a few, one person suggested I enter myself. Basically, I birthed a nine-pound baby at home, which was planned, without pain relief. I also function on only sleeping one or two hours at a time, as said baby is allergic to sleep. Fuck, I hear you, sister. If you're curious about listening, my listening habits, I listened to 290 episodes of TOEFOP for a total of 18,852 minutes. I had my baby in December of 2019. Do you know what I'm going to say about that? What? It might be because they only measure, I think, until October, right? So it, it, she might have actually listened to more episodes than that since then. Or she's taken our advice and not gone back to the real early <laughs> ones. <First> 30. <laughs> to skip them. <laughs> I had my baby in December 2019. I listened to TOEFOP while I was in labor and have continued to do so most days. He turns one on the 6th of December and he is very familiar with the TOEFOP pop theme and will and charlie's voices i'm learning him good anyway i'm up to date with all the episodes now it's been a long year <laughs> keep it up i'm a huge fan emma well fuck childbirth is definitely puts you in the macho category and a little bit of a uh, little bit of flattery will get you there as well oh listening to tofop while no drugs i mean good to have someone involved in the podcast <laughs> <laughs> 
There's one. We maybe, know we got one. Maybe that's what we need. We need someone to drive. <laughs> this is from Rochelle. One more female Aussie macho listener. Okay, good. Love it. Hi, Will and Charlie. I didn't think I was that macho until I heard some other female entries and the ex-drug trafficker, but here we go. I left home at 14 to live by myself because I was severely abused as a child. I experienced homelessness and poverty, but still finished year 12 and became the first person in my family to receive a tertiary education while also battling PTSD. Wow. I am a molecular biologist. So yes, I'm a total nerd, but frequently camp in the middle of the bush with no facilities and live in rural Tasmania. In my apocalypse team, I'm the one who'll keep you clothed, yep. fed, and will grow food and can do it with very few supplies. Love it. Love it. Absolutely. We haven't really considered we need a botanist type person. 100% in. Like just into my life, to be honest, because I'm they're, they're topics I'm interested in myself, like trying to grow my own food and... You know, just maximize, like minimize. Sorry, she quits your waste the team because you won't stop asking her questions about your fucking herb garden. I would annoy the <laughs> shit out of her. Um, I also have polycystic ovarian syndrome and endo, endo, endometrio, endometriosis. Did I get it right? So, what's the first one? Um, uh, polycystic ovarian syndrome. Polycystic ovarian syndrome. And endometriosis. And endometriosis. You think you're that macho? That does sound like they're singing the Mary Poppins thing. <laughs> you think you're macho, my dudes? Try having endometrium lasered out of your abdomen. Try IVF. Try childbirth. This year alone, I moved from Queensland to Tasmania while pregnant. Ooh. We drove and camped just after the bushfires had ravaged New South Wales and Victoria. I walked up Mount Kosciuszko 26 weeks pregnant walked up on Invasion Day, which is over 13 kilometres. I mean... Yes. <laughs> right. yeah. You're already in. Now you're just showing off. <laughs> when we got to Tasmania, I camped in a camper trailer for most of the third trimester for, uh, as I had hyper, hypermeresis gravidarium. I'm sorry if I'm getting this wrong. That's a Harry Potter spell. <laughs> I was still throwing up uh, six times a day. My baby came a month early during oh. lockdown. And while everyone is fine now, she spent two weeks in hospital and, or, and I almost died. I developed pre-inclampsia and came with, within a bee's dick of having a uh, came within the bee's dick of having a pre-inclamptic seizure all while my baby was in special care because her glucose levels were so low. I brought a baby home to a house full of boxes and recovered from my very traumatic birth with next to no help since my husband had to work and we were still in lockdown. Her birth weight was so low that I was triple feeding her for five months. Fucking hell. Breastfeed, bottle top up, pumping. Anyway, I'm a badass like most women, but I think keeping a baby alive in lockdown when you're just when you've just almost died yourself is about the most badass thing ever. What was this person's name again? Rochelle. Rochelle, you're in. You're in. I've also had help along the way, and I applaud Tofop and Fofop for helping demystify mental health and just how hard our brains can be to deal with. Being macho is coming out the other side of adversity and thriving instead of internalizing it and becoming toxic. It's a hell of a lot easier to do. Uh, it'd be, it's a hell of a lot easier to do that if we're just honest about how fucking hard life can be. I fucking agree. I agree. I was having this conversation that caught up with my family for Christmas last week. And I was, my brother was talking about like uh, Trumpism. He was like, do you think like the world's angrier now that, you know, you see more road rage and people are emboldened by this thing of sort of being like a strong man and talking and stuff. And I was thinking like about my blow ups this year and how someone, you know, I think they were half joking when they talked about me needing anger management. And then I started to think about it and I'm like, 
maybe there's actually something going on. Like maybe I do need to, because I have been finding myself slipping into these kind of like fixated rages and maybe there's an element of social media and, you know, the seeing the Trumpism kind of stuff or, you know, the way we interact or communicate now, but I do, I'm, I'm starting to think that maybe it's something I need to get some help with. So I think I mentioned this book last week and the reason I would have mentioned it was because um, I read it on the plane and we talk on a day where I've just had a flight and so it's always just top of my mind. But I'm going to recommend this book, this Jay Shetty book, like Live Like a Monk or whatever it's called because I think that a lot of the themes of that book are very much about detachment. Right. About being able to like, you know, detach from the situation to be able to see where your anger is coming from and how you should actually be dealing with the situation. And like, you know, and I think the reason that I am responding to this book so much because some of it's in language that I would normally be uh, steady down, Oprah. Right, right. You know, like there's there's a, affirmation type stuff. There's even a bit of him that when I watch his stuff on like Instagram and it, it, I don't actually. I have a bit of a reaction to, even though like I dig some of the things he's saying, there's something about him that I just have like, you know, just a hundred percent don't get on board with. Yeah. But this book, like in book form, I know which bits of it that I respond to the most, of, you know, where I'm just like, these are cool ideas. I am very interested in that, you know, how the monks live and how they view the world. And it's nice to have somebody to just interpret a bit for me and sort of give me just a very introductory, easy to understand, you know, level of it. That then if I'm more interested, perhaps I can go away and read some more hardcore stuff. I can actually read the text and whatever that he's he just summarizes and gives you his pop culture, you know, version of. But I'm interested in enough in those ideas. And so many of those ideas are about exactly what you're talking about like detaching from that cycle of anger or like just you know meditating on that idea of what makes me angry mm. like why am i angry mm. am i afraid am i like and so like this and this is the way i'm interpreting it this i'm not through the book far enough to understand if but so the other day instead of meditating like you know normally when you meditate and you think about meditating as being like almost emptying your mind, like letting all those distractions of the world, like, you know, kind of just bring them in and then let them go. It was almost the complete opposite of that, which is you pick something like, you know, what's this thing that I'm afraid of or mm. what am I most afraid of or what am I most angry about? And then really meditate in the discomfort of it to really work out what it's about. Mm. Like to, you know, kind of go, okay, why is it this thing that's making me angry? And is that the thing that I'm actually angry about? Or is this other thing, the thing that I'm angry about? And what could I put in place that would, mm. you know, offset? Anyway, I find it, I'm finding it very interesting. There's a, there's a meditation technique that I've been doing, which is similar to that, which is like when you have a thought, like an, yep. a thought pop up, is you explore, like don't, it's not about just letting it go. It's like, we'll follow it and see where it's come from. And more often than not, it's like cloud bursting. You have this feeling of like anger or jealousy or discontent or whatever and it feels so like real but then when you actually explore and go okay where does this come from and it in my mind when i visualize it it's like a cloud bursting because i the further i go down the, the thinner it gets and it's like right. oh, it's come really from you disarm it yeah because you understand it yeah or realize it's 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 not coming from anything real there's no like it's not coming from a damage or whatever it's just sort of this thing that i can choose to focus on or i can just let it burst yeah there you go <laughs> This is from Thomas. 
Hey, gents. Cheers for all the chat, foolishness, and willingness to say what you think and unpack and put yourself up when you think it might be in the territory that you shouldn't be commenting on. Most of the time, I haven't gone backwards because, as you say, we have all changed. So, what's with all this macho chat? At first, I didn't want to chip in. The competitive. At first, I did want to chip in. The competitive nature in me urged me to. And then, as I listened to the messages you're getting, you're getting, and how you're comparing them to each other, I started to feel uncomfortable. I've held jobs in macho industries. I've played macho characters. I'm a performer, and I've fixed cars and bikes. I'm a carpenter and a maker as a side hustle. I've injured myself so many times. Nothing major though. And then got on with the job at hand. I've never been in a fight, but I've talked my way out of many. And I've stood my ground on multiple occasions when I believed I was in the right. But none of this matters. The most macho thing I've been doing lately is addressing my mental health. Checking my privilege and calling people, mostly dudes, out when they behave like classically macho idiots. And cause issue because of their own insecurities and pig-headedness. I've sat on this comment for a couple of episodes. In all honesty, I've been skipping most of the macho competition conversations. And I get it. This is a free source of entertainment and I could stop this thing. But I just want to know, what is the point of this? Did I miss something? Okay, so I'm going to respond to that. Listen to the episodes. Mm. Because I think the the reason we're still doing this, as opposed to it just being a dumb idea from one episode, is it's become... Something else. Complete something else completely. And the stories that we've heard about... You know the kids sleeping in the, yeah, you know, the park. School, yeah. The idea of Terry, you know, kind of overcoming, you know, his past, and these stories about endometriosis and you know childbirth in a time of a pandemic and whatever. I think that that's the reason we're still talking about this. Is that it is about so many it's, more things than that. It was. It's a, a, a it's a silly title, and I think what it is was what one of the listeners said, which is we wanted a survey of who listens to our show. Yes, we were. the joke was very simple, which was we've been leaning into the fact that the doctors and no one else counts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I was like, do we have... I think I'd been thinking about Joe Rogan, really. Yeah. And so, yeah, I just... That idea of going... Like, there's a certain stereotype you think of Joe Rogan fans. And I was like, do we have, like, Joe Rogan fans? Yeah. But then the reason we've kept doing it is because... If it had just been that, if we had one, that would have been it. We would have just like moved on from it. But because it has become something so much better than that, like the stories that we've heard from people and the insights they've given into how they, and I guess it's it's exactly what he's saying in his letter. So I'm not actually disagreeing at all. In fact, I think think you're right. Yeah. And you just need to listen to the, if you listen to the I think episodes. last week's episode in particular, like yeah. listen to the entrance to last week, because I think the segment did evolve where it was, we were getting sort of like stereotypically macho things. Yeah. And then it started to change. I can't remember if the audience opened it up or we opened it up, but then, you know, the the variety of responses, I've loved it. It's actually been one of my favorite bits. Of one of my favorites. Here. Like just to get these stories from our listeners, but also, like you said, the reprioritizing of what it is they think is brave and strong about themselves. That's come through resoundingly. We've had many more of those sort of letters than we've had of any other type of letters. So I guess for me, I don't think the letter's wrong. I Mm. just think he admits in it that he hasn't listened to a lot of the chat. I would say listen to the chat. And Um, then if you listen to it and you think maybe still then you don't get it, then... That that's fair enough. You don't have to like get everything. But I I just from my point of view, I've loved it. I I have absolutely loved it. I just wonder if Thomas like, I mean, if he knows this podcast, 
He knows that the pattern of this podcast is we start off with a dumb thing and we sift through a lot of shit and then we finally get to somewhere that we think maybe, you know, we dig our way up. Yeah, it's all of those things. Yeah. All at it once. takes us. It takes us a little time to find a rhythm. Sometimes that's that's the point, though, right? Yeah. Like we don't really. It wasn't a plan. No, it, it was us going. Where does this? We go? We never have a production meeting that doesn't happen on air. Yeah, <laughs> it's a terrible <laughs> way to run a show. Two more entries, will okay. then we can and pick our final three. This is from Rebecca, contestant for the Macho Fern. International entry. Oh, femme. Sorry, Fern. Contestant for the Macho Femme International entry. No categories. Have listened to all your pods, except the footy podcast from the beginning. Lol at inappropriate times. So thank you. In no necessary timeline. She's written kind of in bullet points. So Macho, I'm assuming, doesn't have time to write a fucking email. Just here's here's the cliff notes. Yeah, okay. Trained Arabian horses. Jumped one that was uncontrollable. Concussion. So she introduced her to Elias. Maybe she can train the biggest horse in all of Norway. I mean, that'd be amazing. I mean, almost they should be in the team together. Like a kind of, you know, the vision and wonder type scenario. Exactly. <laughs> well, he needs somebody to control the horse. <laughs> Have ridden motorcycles at over 120 yeah. miles per hour on deserted roads. Can change auto tires. Lived on a 55-foot yacht in San Diego for a year and sailed it around the tip of Mexico with a few friends. Have dug a foot deep hole in the ice of Finland and then jumped in. When 16-year-old me was with a boyfriend, a drunk man stepped in front of our car to pee in the middle of the night. My boyfriend hit him. I performed CPR and put his penis back into his pants, my first touch of that part of a man. He died. Oh, Oh boy! Oh my god! Oh my god! Is it because you touched his penis? I did not. <laughs> like, well, the I guess it's for like died like, doing what he loved. <laughs> the doctors were like, "What are you doing? Did you move his penis?" It's like I thought we just could move the back. No, the penis. That's a, it. Can't be the penis. It's never move the penis. <laughs> it's like how you, if you've been shot by like an arrow or something, you're not meant to pull out the arrow. It's like. Please never move the penis. There is, you have not touched his penis, have you? <laughs> Would you put it back in? Yeah, why not? I had a similar incident, not a penis incident, but I, I years ago I was walking home and I saw an old man. He was probably he looked like he was a bit pissed. He's coming walking from the pub, but he had a cane and stuff, and he toppled over and fell onto the road and cracked his head open. So I ran over and called an ambulance and stuff, and. His pants had fallen down in like from him falling from the footpath onto the road. And so he was just in his underpants and then he sort of like, (laughs) it's not funny, but he sort of shat himself. And I didn't know whether if I should, like, what do I do? Do I pull his pants back up? Do I leave them? Is this something that the ambulance will deal with? What's the dignified response here? (sighs) I'd like to think that I was the sort of person who would at least... Like try to clean him up a little bit. I don't know if I could actually clean up physically, but at least like, you know, hide his shame shame. or whatever. Put a towel over him or something. And that I would perhaps stay with him until Oh no, I stayed with him. Okay. I didn't step back and go, Oh, you are gross. Okay, well I stayed with him, but I just didn't know if I should pull his pants up or not. Well, you know what? There could be an argument made that again. You don't know if you can move his penis, he'll lose his life. No, I mean, you don't know. Yeah, his hips. You don't want to rotate his hips. But you don't know. Yeah. yeah. If he's had a, like a fall or whatever, you don't know that if actually moving somebody yeah. is something that... The paramedics arrived and were like, you didn't yeah. clean up his shit. That's the number one thing you got to do. <laughs> you don't move the penis, you move the shit. 
Australia's number one medical <laughs> podcast. Um, I trail run every summer in 100 to 120 degrees Fahrenheit. Wow. What's that in like 40 degrees? Hot. Hot. Yeah, 40. Um, I snowshoe when it's minus 10. I've dodged, dodged so many rattlesnakes. I've been followed by a mountain lion for miles while trail running, which I turned into a backwards walk with a pocket knife in my hand and my shirt over my head to look big. <laughs> That's how I exit uh, the pod cave when we were finished recording. I just yank my t-shirt up and grab a knife. To I actually had pay. Another, <laughs> another person on my shoulders and we were like kids trying to sneak into a dirty movie. To a dirty movie. I've hiked and backpacked through uh, grizzly and brown bear territory okay. and black bear territory. Well, we're obsessed with bears. Yeah, well, exactly. With bears. I've learned to walk and talk again, again after my car careered off a uh, small cliff into a mangrove swamp on Ali Beach in Australia. Wow. Where I was pronounced dead after they flew me to Brisbane Hospital. You didn't move a penis, did you? <laughs> I mean, which was on Ali Beach. Isn't that in... I thought Ali Beach was in Western Australia. Ali Beach. Oh, Ali Beach. A-R-L-E-Y. Did okay. I say Ali? Sorry, I meant Ali Beach. No, um, no, I just. Thought. So she died and came back to life. She flat. She's a flatliner. Yeah, I like the idea of us having someone in the squad, someone who can communicate with the dead. Exactly. <laughs> the other side, which I imagine she now can do. Yeah, hike the lowest point, the Grand Canyon, Colorado River, to the highest peak, Humphreys Peak, in twelve hours. So that's just a small synopsis. I can add more, but I think that even though I'm an artist and not a tradie, that qualifies me for being on your macho list. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is a very impressive. I put this in the cat category. Just much tougher than me. And you touched a homeless man's penis and killed him. And you can talk to ghosts. So. <laughs> you can talk to ghosts. So you're in. Well, we don't know. We've got a, I think we have a top five we've got to choose from. Yeah. I mean, look, to be honest. All I'm, the marine? I'm flexible. I mean, he's, we don't need to be in. <laughs> no, that's a good point. All right. Let's read this last one and see what our final macho list is. Uh, this is from uh, Yosuke. To Colin Fop. Okay, gentlemen, I humbly submit my name for consideration to be included in your rag ragtag bunch of misfits you call macho, the macho fop. To start, I am ja of Japanese descent, as you can probably tell by my name, but I live in the wild, wild west that is Idaho. Okay, he's listed it like a CV. Macho okay. skills. Survivalist. I can start fires, build shelters, and chop small game. In fact, I routinely kill and eat rattlesnakes. Don't knock it till you've tried it. You know what? Already in. <laughs> I think you're a vegetarian. No, but yeah. But I don't want rattlesnakes around. Right. If there's some dude in the crew who's like, you know, I'll killing kill them. them and then eating them, I'm, I'm very feeling, feeling very safe. Um, I only hunt for food, not for trophies. Yeah. I have EMT training. Well, this is getting more impressive. I can bandage up the team after sustaining battle injuries. Okay. Mostly you and Will, obviously. This is yeah, <laughs> you know, very handy. Well, he's, he's got a dossier. <laughs> he knows all about us. Uh, yep. I, well, see, this is... You were saying before we need some sort of like, you know... Medic. Medic. And I, he does feel like this might be the guy. Macho hobbies. Uh, football and wrestling in high school. MMA now. And I play guitar in a punk band. Okay. Loving it. Loving it. You have a mohawk, you're in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't mentioned the haircuts yet, but mohawks, you're in. Yeah. Or if you're willing to get a mohawk. <laughs> Macho look. I'm six foot two inches. That's 189 centimeters. I'm a 195 pounds or 88.5 kilos. Got a short beard, long black hair up top in a samurai bun. Oh. Tattoo sleeves. Absolutely fine. Don't need a mohawk <laughs> if you've got like a samurai bun. Yeah, samurai. That's real cool. Not too many stupid injuries because you're fucking too cool to get into samurai. samurai. <laughs> you're a fucking samurai with sleeve tattoos. He plays in a punk band. 
as my preferred method is to think my way out of a situation oh, rather I love than it. punch. Yes. But I will also punch if punches are required. I yes! love it. Yes, you're in. Oh, oh this is exciting. <laughs> yeah, we actually want to get these guys together now. <laughs> yeah. In short, if you are looking for a punk rock survivalist medic samurai. Who isn't? I'm your man. Uh, take care. Awesome. Uh, fuck, well, I mean... I'm, all yeah, in. They're all, all in. in. Okay, all right. So we need to recap. So you got... Yep. You got Kosei. Oh, sorry, Yosuke. Kosuke. Yep. Yosuke. Yosuke, 100% in. Um, then you've got Rebecca, who basically is just the adventurous who's jumped into holes and you know, saved a man that was hit by a car and dodged rattlesnakes and followed was followed by mountain lions. <laughs> she yeah, and bears. And yeah, bears. absolutely. 100%. In. Yes, in. Uh, then there's Rochelle, who uh, had the home birth during the pandemic. In. In. Then there, oops, was Emma, who uh, shotgunned uh, episodes of Don't Thought while giving birth. In. In. All right. And then uh, Tim, who is the little boy who saved the man at Crown Casino. Maybe you got a little bit of action, if you know what I mean. Oh, you said they're all in. Yeah, in. It's only the fact that it was 15-year-old him. If we can get 15-year-old him, then absolutely 100%. So we need one of the, the crew has to be a, like a scientist who can invent a time machine to go back and get 15-year-old Tim. Yeah. Well, you know what? If we bail and Tim doesn't get in, there's five <laughs> slots up for grabs. One, two, three, four, five. And so that's the, that's the 11. But if Tim's in, it's the Tofop 12. Oh, it sounds better. If we're out and Tim's in... You get the toe pop twelve. Okay, the toe pop twelve. It makes sense, right? It, sounds, it just sounds good. Well, you know what the other thing is? We're making up those rules. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think of like a cool dirty dozen or something like that, but the macho men, no women, <laughs> macho women, macho women, ran bandy. Ravage. <laughs> no, that doesn't work. Let's call the Tofops. Tofops. The Tofop 12. The Tofop 12. I yeah, love the, it. The Tofop 12, 100%. Congratulations. Um, maybe uh, maybe Dr. Fosdyke about doing a commemorative limited edition poster of the Tofop, the Tofop 12. Could we ask the Tofop 12 to submit a photo? To submit a photo. I love the idea of. Okay. I will. For we, a special, maybe we could get. I mean, it might take James we, a bit to do, but like we could do it definitely as. Well, like, like if, it, if it's something simple, he I, like yeah. it's not like Last Supper or whatever. But if it's like the Mount Rushmore of Tofop or something, but it should have a macho theme, don't you think? Like that encompass. Oh, but now I'm thinking elaborate, and James is like, "Shut the fuck up! You're yeah. paying for this. You guys are. Yeah. I think I'm going to give you a discount on this one because <laughs> I'm thinking it needs like bears and samurai. Well, and- you know what it should be like. Whatever um, James thinks. Well, I'm thinking like a Drew Struzan poster, you yeah. know, like those old Indiana Jones. And yeah, you're like... Where there's like characters in every corner. Like, for something we're going to make no money on. Um, uh, look, James, something affordable. Something affordable and low rent. We'll leave it up to your creative abilities. And so... But if people want to send us a photo yeah. of those 12, we would love to see a photo of you. We'll recap who the top 12 are. Um, we'll post something on Facebook. And Twitter. So if uh, you've missed an episode or you're, or you're behind, whatever, you'll see it there. So we'll contact you and we'll give you an email address that you can send your photo to. And we'll put some merch up on Redbubble once it's... Yeah. Like we'll do a little range of the Tofop the 12. The Tofop 12. Merch. I reckon we'll we can sell, sell 12. 12. 12. 
Another great business idea. <laughs> Speaking of Redbubble, we've got some great merch up at Redbubble yeah. right now. There's a brand new, truly the biggest horse in Norway. In all of Norway. In all of Norway. In all of Norway. One of my favorite uh, James Fosdark designs. He's a little bummed out when we read Elias's letter out a couple of weeks ago because he was in a rush and he didn't have time. And then he was so glad that Elias sent a follow-up so he could finally execute it. And it is a masterpiece. It's, it's one of... James uh, often comes up with bits of work that I'm like... If I wasn't associated with the show, if I just saw that, I'd be like, that's cool. What is the story behind that enormous horse and that guy in the beanie? Like, it looks like an awesome cover of like a graphic novel or something. I think it's so great. I want to get a t-shirt of it immediately. Yeah, well, you can. Just you go can. to Redbubble and uh, there's all sorts of merch there from this show. And uh, if you want to see more of James Fosdyke's amazing art, tofop.com is a great place to go. Uh, all our podcasts are up there. So Two Guys, One Cup, our AFL adjacent podcast. Charlie's been doing some uh, episodes yep. with people kind of you know, asking them about their club. Their Titus, club. And... Titus O'Reilly is on this week talking about the demons. Uh, he's fucking great. I know he's been on Willosophy. Um, he's so funny and really actually took the conversation because Two Guys, One Cup can be very stupid, but he has such a wonderful way with words and he's so eloquent talking about the nature of a fandom, what it's like to be a football fan. I thought he was great. And uh, coming up this week, a bit of sizzle, Lynn McGranger is going to be on talking about the Sydney Swans. And speaking of philosophy, yeah, you can hear Titus's episode. If you haven't heard that yet, I would actually highly recommend it. Again, I found him to be a super... I've, like, I've met him a few times and had, you know... Uh, I've been to his house, actually, and, like, really like him, you know, as a, as a guy, and I like his work a lot, but I... Really enjoyed that episode of Philosophy. And uh, this week on the show, there's a guy called Nat. Uh, Nat's what I reckon. He uh, came to... He's been making, you know, internet you know, comedy videos and stuff for ages. But um, this year, he had a couple of them that uh, around cooking that just became sort of, you know, viral phenomenon. Viral. I believe it's called going viral. <laughs> and he's written a book. And anyway, I did an episode with him and it's really cool. And then later on in the week, Zoe Coombs-Mar, there's an episode with her. And I, I want to plug a few that are coming up as well. I did one with Charles Firth this morning, which is going to be great. And uh, Paul Dempsey from Something for Kate. We had a really good catch up. So there's, yeah, there's some cool episodes still coming up before the end of the year. And if you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash Um For all those people who have recently signed up the $20 level uh, to get their signed Tofop tour poster, they are coming. It's just because it's Christmas time. I, I've been trying to buy like postage tubes so hard to get this time of the year so yeah. i've ordered some i don't know i think they're coming from china or something like that i had to order them through the dark web um but i'm hoping to send those out this week so uh, i'm sorry if you were uh, ordering them as a, as a christmas present i'm trying to get to them as fast as you can but yes they will definitely be sent this week um and that's it i'm charlie clausen i'm will anderson Podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want, it's up to you.